Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. The Business Diaries is a storytelling platform for businessmen and women to share their stories, the ups and the downs of the entrepreneur, and giving us a look at the person behind the business and hearing about their successes and their failures. Have you ever found yourself in a situation when unexpectedly you're in a dangerous situation where every fibre of your body puts you on alert because you know this is not good? That's exactly what happened to today's guest. I'm really keen to hear the story, so we better get on with it. Isla, who's in the guest seat? Thank you, Lisa. It gives me great pleasure to announce Katrina Festorazzi. Katrina is founder of Faster Photo, a commercial photography and videography service based in Medway in Kent. Katrina has a background in law, and today's story relates to a very difficult situation she found herself in 16 years ago, a situation that still haunts her today. Welcome to the Business Diaries, Katrina. Hello, good morning. Morning. (laughs) As with Lisa, I can't wait to hear your story. So if you're ready, I'm going to hand over the airwaves to you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. So as you said, this situation was 16 years ago, so a very, very long time ago. And um, I was in a really fantastic job. I just want to kind of build into this story slightly. So I was in this really fantastic job. Things were going really, really well. Then I found myself into a situation that I thought, actually, no, things aren't as well as I thought. And this is where this kind of thick skin started to come from. And when I started to realise soon uh, the kind of red flag scenario that you might find yourself in. And this previous job, which I'm leading into to talk about the why I'm here today, um, I got myself into a situation where I needed to have some evidence to back myself up for a situation that was happening. Emails, I had lots of them, but they weren't enough. I was in a job that we had dictation machines all over the office, and that was just our line of work. So I used the dictation machine to record some of the things that were happening in meetings just to kind of back myself up. So I left that job feeling quite confident um, and I wanted a role that um, I had more control of um, and wouldn't find myself in a similar situation. I found this brilliant job. It was amazing. It was right up my street. It was reporting directly to the CEO. So I wasn't having the same problems as I had in the previous job. Things were growing brilliantly. It was an amazing job. um, And I just want to set the scene. We had funding, external funding. So I was employed by this organisation, but the funding was coming externally somewhere else. There was lots of partners involved in this project. So although I was employed by the organisation, if anything happened with the organisation, another partner would have definitely taken over the project. So my role was safe. The project was safe. And I had two staff that um, reported directly to me. So the three of our jobs were safe and the project was going brilliantly. The partners that were involved in the project loved it. Uh, The funders loved it. Everybody was happy. Now, leading up to this milestone of a year, um, lots of pats on the back, which is great. But I was hearing stories about the organisation and how they were struggling financially. 
There's some consultations happening as well with staff. So there was quite a lot of staff in this organisation whose jobs were on the line. Um, so I, I'm telling this because it builds up to something later. So six months after, so halfway through year two, um, things are getting quite severe. You know, there's meetings happening. P- people are starting to talk in the office. You know, morale is low. People are not happy. Now, I only went to this particular office once a week because I was spread across the project with other partners. I was here, there and everywhere. So I'd only be in the main office one day a week. And I had regular meetings with the CEO to talk about the project and the finance manager. Now, the finance manager and I got on really, really well. Um, she hadn't been herself for about a week or two. She wasn't her bubbly, brilliant self. And I don't like to pry or ask questions. So I just kind of thought, you know, she'll tell me what's up with her later on if she wants to. And there was one day I was busying away, getting ready for this big conference that was happening. And she slips me this note. She walks up to my desk and she slips me this note and winks at me and walks away. And I think, oh, hello, what, what's this? This bit. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, okay, strange. So I open up this note and it says, meet me in the cafe in 10 minutes. I'm like, whoa, this is a bit like spy operation. What's going on here? Mm, Okay. Um, So I wait 10 minutes and I go down the cafe down the road, a place that we normally have lunch. And she's looking very upset when I sit down and I'm looking at her and I'm saying, what's going on? And she said, I've got something to tell you. I don't really want to talk about it too much, but I'm just going to hand you a file and I'm leaving. And I said, okay. She went, no, I'm leaving the organisation. I'm going tomorrow. And I'd look up her. I don't know what to say to her. And she said, Katrina, I cannot stay. And she gets up and she she looks like she's going to cry and she just storms out. So my heart sinks because I want to chase after her. And I'm like, what do I do? And I look down at this folder and I open it up and there's photocopies of lots of documents that have my signature all over it. And I don't recognise any of these documents. They're photocopies, they're scans of things. And I look at them and they're invoices and they're various other documents with costs attached to it with my signature all over it. And I look at the dates and these are dating back to maybe day two or day three of the project. And I'm thinking, I've never seen these documents before. Anyway, go through the file and it's very clear that my signature has been used uh, on money that's being moved around from my project to support the organisation. So it's being moved across to other financial columns. Now, I wouldn't have had access to that stuff. I would have only had access to my stuff. So I never saw these documents before. So you can imagine my heart sinking. It's like, oh my God. And you're talking a lot of money here. And my heart starts and I feel sick and I'm in this cafe and I can smell this food and I'm feeling sick and I'm, and I'm shaking and I'm oh my God, my name is being used on these documents. This is fraud. This is, and I thought, well, she's not, she can't be doing it. It's got to be, the only other person that could be doing this is my CEO. And I'm like, what do I do? You know, what do I do? So I, I, I go back to the office. I'm not myself. And everyone's like, you're right. Cause I'm normally really bubbly. And I said, oh, I'm not feeling quite well. I think I'm going to go home and get ready for this conference that's coming up. I've got a lot of paperwork to do. And I go home and I talk to my other half and I'm, down in this bottle of wine. I'm like, what do I do? This is fraud. This is, in my line of work, this is really, really bad. And my heart's racing. I feel sick. I don't eat dinner. And he said to me, well, why don't you do what you did before? Try and have a meeting with him, your CEO, and record it so you've got some evidence because you need evidence. You've got no evidence that you that's not your signature. 
How are you going to prove it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I thought she's leaving, the financial manager. She's not going to want to come back. So that night, I called a friend of mine. And I said, look, what do I do? A very close friend of mine. And she says, she talks me through it. She says, I agree with the other half. Try and get some evidence together. She said, in the meantime, if you're worried about a job, I know about somebody that's recruiting. She said, and this job's got your name all over it. Great CEO. You won't have this problem. Do you want me to introduce you? So I said, okay, fine. So I leave the conversation, but I'm thinking, it's not just that my name, this is going to affect my whole future. You know, fraud is a very serious matter. And I keep thinking prison. I couldn't sleep that night. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to be going to prison. I'm going to have to testify. Oh my goodness. I just didn't sleep. So I called in the next day, said that I wasn't going to go into the office. I wasn't feeling very well. In the meantime, this other CEO contacts me um, and says, you know, would you like to meet? I'm like, okay. So I did. And I picked myself up and got myself in the mood, met with them, had a great meeting. They talked about the job, really sold it to me. I was really interested. And they said, well, you have to officially apply. So we went through all of that process. But I've still got this thing over me. What do I do about my current situation? Because really what they're doing is they're using the money to keep the organization afloat. I hope, I hope they're not using the money for their own devices. Um, if it is my CEO, moral dilemma, what do I do? And I thought, I've got to talk to him. I have to talk to him. Anyway, it's been announced the financial, the manager's left. Everyone knows he's messaging me saying you need to come into the office because we need to talk about the project and, and handover until somebody else comes on board um so please come so I'm like right I've got to have a meeting with him about this got to so we have a meeting and I've got my dictation machine in my pocket and I push record and I'm recording the whole meeting and then after he said his bit about what's happening with the finance manager blah 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 I said well actually I kind of knew something was going on and um I went to kind of find some files for some paperwork for stuff to do with this conference and I come across this folder and I left the folder at home, but I told him about this folder and I told him what I'd seen. And he was just looking at me blankly, like not blankly as in he didn't understand what I was saying. Like, what do I say? How do I handle this? And I could see that he was shocked that I'd found this evidence. And I didn't want to get the finance manager into trouble. So I just kind of fibbed about how I come across it. And I said, so this is this is going back a while. This is Ford, you know, and I'm not happy that my name's on this. You know, can you please explain to me? And I'm 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 talking because I'm upset, I'm anxious, I'm I'm over talking, and he's not saying anything. And I look at him and I say, You've got to say something, you've got to help me here. I understand that the organization's in trouble. I understand that you're maybe using the money to keep the organization afloat, but you've got to give me something. Why, why didn't you talk to me about this? He tried to justify it a little bit, but really wasn't giving me anything that was useful. Um, however, during his responses, he admitted that he was using the money. He was the one that was doing it, um, but he was using it across the organisation and nobody needed to know about it. And I said, but that's not the point. If we get audited or, or anything, my name is all over this. You don't understand. I don't know what to do about this. I said, morally, I don't know what to do. I understand that there's pressure on you. I understand that there's jobs on the line here. I said, but this is my reputation and my future, you know? And I felt really sick and I wanted to cry. And I just, I just, I felt like I was going to lose it. And I said, look, I've got to go away and think about this. I have to think about this and what my next steps are. Do I go and tell the funders? And he just looked at me really panicked. I went, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just, I need to go. So I left and I had it all on tape. 
Um, so in the meantime, I, 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 I travelled home and I, I got this voice note from the CEO saying they really want to work with me. Um, they, I submitted my application and everything in the meantime, and um, they wanted an official interview, but basically it was it, the job was mine. So I knew that I was secure in that job, but there was still this, what do I do, this moral dilemma going forward. Um, so I went home, spoke to my other half about it more. You know, we were in a position where we hadn't even got a mortgage. You know, and fraud is a very serious thing. If it, There's no... There's no coming back from this, you know. You're kind of guilty until you're proven innocent. And all I just kept thinking was, I'm going to go to prison. I, I'm going to have to go to court. We're going to get investigated. Do I not say anything and just leave? But then what, I, I just was in such a conflict. I just didn't, I seriously, for a long time, I didn't sleep. Anyway, I thought I need to, I need to get back to him. I need to email him or something or, or talk to him. So I messaged him and I said, you know, can you, I text messaged, I emailed, you know, can we, can we have a meeting? He was ignoring me. I knew he was in the office, but he was ignoring me. And then another day went by and still nothing back from him. Um, I could have had access to his diary. So I knew he was working. I knew he wasn't off and I just thought he's avoiding me. And I thought the days are going and I need to do something. So I just literally sat and poured it all out into an email because I thought I need some evidence trail here. So I just said, further to our, our conversation, I didn't say what in the email, I just said further to our conversation about this dilemma that I have, um, I have decided and I kind of wrote out what, what I decided that I wanted to do. And basically I'd put it out there that I had three months notice that I had to give on this job and I didn't want to be in that situation anymore. He wasn't meeting with me. I, and I just said, look, I cannot come back into that environment. I'm worried that my name's all over these these documents. Um, I was very careful how I worded the email. And I just said, you know, I want a golden handshake. I want you to say that you're going to honour three months' pay, and I basically go, and I won't say a word to anybody. I cannot come back into the office under this environment. I'm just, I just feel physically sick. And the other two, you know, the project's up to date, our KPI eyes are up to date. The handover would be a half an hour conversation on the phone with the other two. There's not much I need to do. And I waited, I sent the email and I waited and waited and waited and waited hours and felt sick and sick and sick. So in a nutshell, as, as he just would not pick up the phone. And I just thought, he's never going to meet with me. Um, and he did. He responded to the email and basically said, okay. I agree to those terms, but he was very careful not to uh, kind of entertain anything I said in, in the email. And I I then responded and I said, because he, he wasn't very clear on what part he was agreeing to. So then I narrowed it out a bit more and I said, you know, are you agreeing that I can leave with my three months protected salary and I don't have to come back into the office? And just to let you know, I recorded our conversation because I wanted him to know that I had evidence. Um, and he literally just sent a one line back saying, okay. Um, then I picked up the phone and spoke to HR and I just said, oh, I've just had a conversation with blah, blah, blah. He's agreed that I can do this. And they said, yes, we've just had a phone call. Um, and so it all went through, but I still felt physically sick, um, you know, about that decision and, um, you know, going into that new job, um, you know, I was still worried that it was something that was going to float. And, and uh, I didn't use the current, the old job 
as a reference for my new job. And the, the new CEO did ask me about it. And I just said to them, that's a story for another time. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, so that stayed with me for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, even to this day, even talking about it this morning makes me feel physically sick. Um, it wasn't a situation I thought I'd ever find myself in. Um, fraud is a very, very scary thing. And the amount of money that we're talking, you know, we're talking millions. Um, yeah. So that's my story. <laughs> Bit scary. <Wow>. And what <laughs> a story. <laughs> Gosh. Well, thank you for sharing with, with us, Katrina. But um, honestly, my heart is racing. For the last 10 minutes, it's been boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's a truly nasty situation to be in, isn't it? Really yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, even re- talking about it now, I feel still feel very sick. And I thought that with my previous jobs experience, that I thought I'd, I thought I'd learned from that, and I thought that you know, going into this new that job, um, that I wouldn't find myself in a similar situation. And I just, I did ask myself a few times during those couple of well, it was a week and a bit, I think, in between everything um, happening. You know, why again? Why am I finding myself? Is it me? You know, what what have I done wrong here? Mm. I, I mean, it's such an eye-opener how life can change as well in the blink of an eye. I mean, one minute you're sailing along, you you thought you had the dream job, everything yeah. was going well, and the next minute you've got the threat of you know, possibly prison. Yeah, um, and, 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 not, and not even getting the thing that, I mean, on reflection now looking back, um, you know, I understand because we all know about how debts and, and money situation can have an impact on somebody's decision making. You know, mm. when you've got all the, those people's jobs on the line and you're responsible for those people, it must be really, really hard. Yeah, but, definitely. But not even to um, be honest with me after and, and even just just basically just ignore me and not respond yeah. to text messages. And even in the email just a one-liner, two-liner back. I mean, seriously. Mm. You know, I just felt after all I'd given in the job and the passion and and the hours I'd worked and, and like I said, all the partners were really happy with the project and we were getting additional funding from other sources as well because it was going so well. To be it's then like being this, used as well, isn't it? Did you feel well, that you, you had been used? I did. And I think that maybe this, on, on reflection, the CEO knew that, maybe the funders wouldn't be looking at the information that was being provided with a fine tooth comb and knew that they could probably get away with it. Mm. Yeah, not nice. (laughs) How long was it from that, you know, from the moment when the finance manager met you in the cafe and handed over those files? I mean, that was the beginning. That's when it dawned on you what happened. From that point to... You know, how long was it after that that you knew you were safe, that you were totally out of that situation and and not having anything to do with those goings on? Well, the project itself was a three-year project. So I knew that it was going to be wrapped up the following year um, and maybe the, the, the finance people from that funder would maybe need a summary. But... Statute of limitations is six years. So it was it was on my radar for another six years. And I even put in my diary um, six years and one day from the date when it all kind of transpired um, that I thought, phew, <laughs> I can relax yeah. now. I actually did put it in the diary. <laughs> so, did, this, 
this whole situation, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, and so, I don't know, so complex. Nothing is ever as simple as it, as it first appears. And I think I'd like to ask you, Katrina, about the moral dilemma that you found yourself in. You know, obviously the fallout from going public and broadcasting and telling the funders, as you said, would have been huge. But would that have been the right thing to do? I mean, you've got the morality of the right thing to do, but the impact on everybody would have been phenomenal. But the impact on yourself as well. I mean, you're young. You said you haven't even got a mortgage yet. You're early stages of your life and relationship. Yeah. I mean, it was 15, 16 years ago, all this happened. So I was, you know, in the peak of my career. Um, You know, it's not just about, as you said, about trying to get a mortgage. You know, if you've got fraud against it, no one's going to give you a credit, not for a credit card, not for, you know, anything. You know, you wouldn't even get a bank overdraft, you know, it just... And and prison, I mean, that's just, you know, you can you can get sent away. I mean, we're talking a lot of money here. Um, and and to and 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 just even and sadly, sometimes especially in the public, um, I mean, obviously we're talking 16 years ago, so we don't have the likes of Twitter and the social media that we have today, but um yeah. You know, even back then, you, you know, you're prove you're guilty until you can prove you're innocent. And when you're looking for a job, and and CEOs talk, you know, and and people, especially the higher senior positions, that I was finding myself going for at the time. You know, it's all on reputation. Yes, yeah. you can do a nice CV, but if your name's out there, you're going to get blacklisted from jobs. And, you know, I wanted a mortgage. We hadn't had the children at that point. You know, I wanted a career for myself. And I was angry. I was angry that, he, that he'd put me in this situation, but also the finance manager that just upped and kind of left me to it. Um, that yeah. was, yeah. you know, scapegoat. And that's what I thought. And I thought, gosh, and... The fact that it was my signature all over everything, he could have put his signature on it because it was a dual situation. You know, it wasn't just my signature that was required for the finances. He could have put his on it, but he chose to put mine. Yeah. And that was even more of a kick in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not you know? surprised. All those yeah. thoughts of, of, you know, why me? And mm. and I think we have to remember as well and remind our listeners that you were quite young at this point. You You were in the early stages of your career and so you know you described the the anxiety well the panic the literal mm. panic because you have no idea what to do and, and I mean who would who would know what to do in a situation like that but I think with the benefit of hindsight which is obviously we all know is that wonderful thing <laughs> but would the older and wiser Katrina have done something differently? I, I would have done I, I absolutely would have whistleblown um, and I, I, the reason is because a lot has changed <clears throat> since, you know, 15, 16 years ago. You know, we talked, we, we, there was a lot of stuff happening in the press at the time with fraud cases, which obviously that's what I kept thinking about. Every time fraud came up on the news, I'd look at the TV and panic. Go, is that me? Is that me? Is my mugshot going to be on the, on the TV? And um, there was a lot of fraud cases going on and you just saw how these families were ripped apart for mm. money that was even less than what was were involved with my case, you know. And I thought that could be me, you know. But thinking about it now, um, whistleblowing has come a long way and people are protected more now than mm. they were back then. Um yeah. You know, there are places you can go. There are people that you can talk to. You can remain anonymous. 
Um, so yeah, we, we've and, we've got actually had a guy on Katrina um, on the podcast, um, Nick Inge. I don't know if you've heard of him, mm-hmm. um, but he <clears throat> was a former member of the Serious Crime Squad, and um, so working with the likes of MI5, MI6, and he would and... have probably been interviewing me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but he left the force to design and develop an app you know for whistleblowing it's called i trust assurance oh, and it, it, you know it enables you to speak up anonymously um you know the confidential hotlines etc so you know if, if that that had been available do you think that you definitely would have used something like i that? would absolutely i wouldn't even second guess it i would have literally been straight on the phone um because just uh just having somebody to talk to about it is really important and obviously my other half you know, I spoke to him about it. I spoke to my friend that was also in the industry um, who got me the other job, which was great. But it, it's, it wasn't enough. I still, like I said, for six years to the day, I still felt that panic that at any time mm-hmm. somebody could knock on my door and say, right, we're investigating you for blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just having someone to talk to and then get your side of the story over and it on record and it recorded and that you're protected would have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I would have jumped on that. And I think although it probably didn't feel like it at the time, but I mean, it was it was truly fortuitous that your friend knew of that job opening at that time and that opportunity was was right there. I mean, that was hugely timely. But you you navigated yourself out of that situation pretty well. Uh, and you found ways to protect yourself. And yes, you, 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 I'm, I'm interested in what advice you would give somebody listening to this podcast who's thinking that something's not quite right in, in their business. What, what would, or in a similar situation, what would your advice be? I keep a diary. I mean, I, I, I learned from the previous job to keep a diary and to every time you have a meeting, um, always follow up with bullet points or things that you feel needed more clarity from a meeting if you feel like you're in a situation where something's you know you're getting that red flag you're getting that sicky feeling in your stomach always mm-hmm. always and cc as many people in the organization as possible um to that just so that you can protect yourself um going i felt really bad about the recording aspect of it um I still have the recording. I don't know if I should admit that um, because it it just haunts you and you want that protection. Um, mm. So I, I don't know whether I would suggest to people to, you know, put because obviously we have mobile phones now and we have yeah. things that can record people. But I think definitely talk to somebody, try and get as much evidence in an email trail, something written that maybe you wouldn't need to have taken the extra step that I did in regards to the... Uh, voice recording because if I hadn't have done that voice recording malarkey there was and looking at how he'd responded to my emails there was nothing that he wrote back in his email response that would have given anybody any indication that he'd done what he'd done Mm. so that was the so I even the only thing that you had really that you could it was your only bargaining chip wasn't it yeah, the voice recording. And it's not yeah. a nice situation to be in, but it, you might not be able to use that in court. I mean, obviously we're hearing court f- cases now. There's mm. something in the paper, in the in the press, which I won't talk about, that's got lots of recordings um, that is actually being allowed to be used. Um, so things have moved on as evidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you say, you know, the, I'm not sure that, I, I don't know the implications, but if the recording 
is allowed. Uh, it's the how you use it, use it. yeah, isn't yeah. it? That that, that so has I think, the yeah. I think as long as you have it as a bargaining chip, if you're trying to negotiate yourself out of a situation, um, which I did, and I obviously let them know that I had that. Mm. Um, that, and that was the only reason why I was able to get out so quickly and still be able to have that three month salary, um, going forward. Um, yeah. they knew that they didn't have a leg to stand on. They wanted me to go quietly. Um, and, uh, but I didn't have to sign. They didn't go down the, down the route of sending me an exit, um, form with any NDA or anything like that. They didn't, they didn't do that. Um, but then they just let you go. They just let me go because at the end of the day, they knew that I probably wasn't going to say anything at the time because I was just so embarrassed, sickened, worried about the implications mm. of it all. Like I said, we were going for a mortgage. I didn't want that sitting on me. And it's interesting. I wonder, just you know, looking back, I wonder whether the um, other board members, you know, if you have two people leave just like that, yeah, one after the other. That's telling yeah. you something that's happening there, isn't that? So, exactly. you know, and I, think I, also, I wonder if they did discuss anything. Well, this is it. And also going back to um, Ayla's question about, you know, would I do anything differently? Yes, I would have reported it. And I think also if you've got a CEO that, the, I mean, if the organisation's in that much trouble, mm. it could be external factors that have not helped. It could be a number of things that have not helped. So it could not, it's not always down to, the CEO, but the board have a responsibility to look at, well, what's going wrong? Is it the decision-making of said CEO? And do we need to get rid of that CEO and get somebody else in or get some support to help that CEO? And by me not whistleblowing or saying anything meant that that bad practice, that... Is going to continue... Exactly. And that's not great for the organisation. So although I felt at the time, gosh... I can't say anything because all these people are going to lose their job mm. and there's going to be a big fraud investigation going on. I didn't think about it at the time. There would have been some sort of insurance that would have ensured that people would have got paid um, money that they were owed. They might have obviously not been employed going forward, but there would have been a little bit of protection, I'm sure, for them. But mm. you don't think about that at the time. You just All I kept thinking was prison bars and being in prison. Mm. And I'm sure the more and more you think of that, there will be another issue that comes into you'll think of that will come into the into the game, as it were. And you know, yeah. oh, that could have happened. That could have happened. But you know, it's it's it was a bit of a no win situation, wasn't it, it, it? Really, it was. But I mean, it is definitely. I mean, going forward, it's it's really stuck with me today. Well, that's my next question. That's what I wanted to ask you. Okay. Now that you run your own business, Master <laughs> Photo, how has that experience shaped you as the, as the business owner that you are today? Well, I'm very careful with money. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I know the red flags to look for and I always make sure that I've got, you know, three to six months worth of uh, uh, ring fence money to keep the, the company afloat just in case oh. things go a bit quiet. Um, but it has made me very wary um, of uh, money and expenditure. Um, I recently applied for some funding, and I, I and it's really funny. The funding requirements, um, the outputs, and uh, how you record it hasn't um, 
been disclosed to me. And I, I, I sent them an email saying, well, you know, give me this funding. Um, how do I prove how I've spent it and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, well, you know, and they kind of brushed over it. And I thought, mm, no, this doesn't sit right with me. So um, so although they're quite loose in, in the recording of how I spend the money, I've actually created a whole spreadsheet. Um, I'm, I've literally written down details of how I've spent the money. I've done my own KPIs. And over the next year or two, I will continue to input that just in case that this funder comes yeah. back to me at any point and says, oh, really sorry, we forgot to mention that we need proof of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, isn't it? That's a good yeah, idea. absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think, so yeah, definitely just um, record everything is, is my advice. If anybody's in a situation where um, they're reporting, don't be afraid to talk to your financial managers if you're in an organisation, um, if something is not ringing true or you don't understand. Because I think a lot of people are too embarrassed to say they don't understand the, the books and the finances mm, mm. Um, and, and that's what they're there for they're there to explain stuff to you so I think if you're thinking oh things are not looking as they should talk to someone and ask somebody for clarity yeah, um, yeah. that's that's that, my that's, advice absolutely that that's great advice so tell us about faster photo and have you got any projects on or anything coming up any events well, Fast Photo are a commercial photography and videography service. So we work with um, small, medium, large uh, businesses, helping them with their visuals. So visuals such as you know photographs and video for their social media platforms and websites, etc. So yeah, we're always looking to to work with anybody that needs help with their visuals. We're also introducing a podcasting service like you ladies. Yay. <laughs> oh, <hey. laughs> um, so I've just launched Photo Mum, and Photo Mum is um, a podcast that is helping because going into business is quite hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that transition from being an employee to self employed business owner is quite a transition. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you find yourself having to skill up in areas that you would have had staff for (laughs) in other organisations. So you have to be your own CEO. You have to be your finance manager. You have to be your marketing person and blah, 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 blah. HR. HR, exactly, yeah. And a wellbeing person to make sure that you are actually doing that work-life balance that you promised yourself. Yeah. So Photo Mummies, and, and I've gone on a journey. So I'm 10 years in business now um still here post covid thankfully um <laughs> and um it, it I, the whole point of photo mum is to pass on those nuggets of advice to people coming into business um learning from myself and i have other business owners guests coming in talking about the moments that we've messed up on um things that in hindsight we would go back and change so that other business owners coming into business don't make the same mistakes as we did. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. So that's Excellent. me at the moment. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so photo mum is, is, is that with an F? Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so it's like faster photos. It's F-O-T-O, mum. Uh, it's newly launched. Um, and my first episode was actually talking about, which we won't go into details. Maybe that's another one for another time. Um, having a child at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I've actually heard that podcast, so I do recommend it. It's very interesting, and I'm I'm looking forward to part two. Oh, I haven't yes. heard that yet. Not tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. 
<laughs> well, do you know what? I mean, so, uh, do you have any events coming up that you want to share with us? Or um, not events per se, but we do run some workshops. So um, one thing that I find uh, business owners really struggle with, especially small business owners, when they're first starting out, they may not have a budget for marketing. So they might mm. not be able to afford the services like myself for photography and videography, or they're just growing and they're just using their mobile phones for their photographs and videos for their socials. And that works. It works really well when you're growing. When you've grown, mm. obviously that's when you need more high-end content. But you know, there's nothing wrong with using your mobile phones or, or whatever devices you have. So we run monthly workshops for small business owners, helping them to DIY their own content and looking at um, what platforms are best for their genre of business and mm. what types of videos will generate interest and then in turn generate paying clients um, mm. and these workshops are once a month and they're only 22 pounds wonderful it is an absolute bargain oh no yeah. so if our people are interested if they go to our website or probably actually best if they email me it says admin at fasterphoto.co.uk um photo is f-o-t-o yeah. And then number two. <laughs> yeah, so far, fast, yeah, fast as it normally would be with the number yeah. two and then photo yeah. with an F. F-O-T-O, yeah. yeah F-O-T-O. Um, and just email me and I'll send out the information. But the information's are all over our social media platforms as well. So check that out. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, sadly, it's time to wrap up another podcast. Katrina, Many, many thanks to you for sharing your story. It's, I mean, it certainly is one that we can remember for a while to come, I think. Don't you, Isla? Absolutely. (laughs) So um, I'm glad that that, that it has a happy ending and um, that you you got yourself out of that nasty situation. Um, Are you on LinkedIn as well? Can people get in touch with you on LinkedIn if they want to? I am. So I have Katrina Festerazzi, which is on LinkedIn. And then I've also got the Faster Photo business page on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's great. So uh, just before we sort of go off, um, Isla, I'd like to ask you what you can take away from today's discussion. Well, I think I've, I've just about got my, my heart back in the right place and it's uh, <laughs> starting to beat normally. Um, but I think, I think for me, just your description of the emotional roller coaster that you went through when you found yourself in this situation and you had absolutely no idea what to do. And it's a very very frightening situation as you said with huge ramifications not only personally but professionally for yourself but for your work um you know your colleagues that you've worked alongside with for such a long time I think my takeaway is that you you've got to deal with it you've got to deal with the situation head on you can't Mm. brush it under the carpet or try and figure out a way where you can you know walk away from it you've got to go and find somebody who will advise you properly as to the best course of action to take and be bold and brave and take what you deem to be the right action. Absolutely. Mm. Don't suffer on your own. Get some advice from somebody. Use any whistleblowing apps that you know of. Talk to people. Absolutely. Sorry. I just said, don't do this journey on your own. No, no, no. Exactly. And And I think that, you know, for me, it really has highlighted how you can find yourself in such an unsavoury situation and you know maybe taking it back a step and I'm not suggesting that we'd be suspicious of everyone and I'm not suggesting that you did it wrongly Katrina because Mm. I'm not sure what was right and what was wrong but what I'm thinking of is just making sure 
you know, have we done enough to make sure things are as they appear to be? You know, adopt an inquiring attitude. And as you said, keep a diary. You know, just watch your own back in a way, isn't it? Do your own due diligence of, you know, following up, CCing in people when you're having conversations, just so that, you know, you do have some backup. Um, it's, It's probably the way to go to try and stop something like that. Yeah. And it's just reassurance to yourself as well. If you keep notes, keep a diary, you know, you've done everything that you can to protect yourself. Mm. And then whatever happens after that, you can't control that. You've just controlled the bits that you can control. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we go, many thanks go to Paul Cheese, our super sound hero and composer of our little jingle. Isla, are there any announcements? Just to keep, Sharing your feedback with us, we absolutely love it when you reply to our posts on social and you engage with us uh, on the on our platforms. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. So please keep the conversations going. Excellent. Okay. Well, last of all, it's just thanks go to you, the listener, for tuning in and listening into the stories. Hope you've enjoyed it and uh, you'll join us for the next one. So bye for now. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries.